Okay, thank you so much everybody for coming. Today's cheer is being sponsored by Miss Paulina Silverman for the refresh lema of Alex Silverman. It's being sponsored by Mr. and Mrs. Holshander. Um, Leinuri Nishmat, her father, Jerry Pasternak Gedalia Ben Menachem Yeshua. And by Mr. and Mrs. Sklar in honor of Rebbe and Rebbe Sumanderberg. Okay. Okay, thank you, Natalie. Not just for the announcements, but for everything. And to thank the sponsors also. We should all have Simchas. Chavdal Tevis is the outside of the Valtanya, it's the outside of the Shemi Shmuel, it's the outside of Rav Desla. So there's a lot of Aram Shel Sadikim, the light of Sadikim that's very strong. In addition, it's the time of Shaivavim. It's a time that Hashem Baruch revealed through the Tzadikim, the later generations, that He wants us to think a lot about relationships, and tikkun that we can make, improvements that we can make in all of our relationships. Not just husband and wife, but friends, parents and children. Tikkunim in relationships. If any of you are expecting me to give some practical tips on Shalom Bayes, you can forget it. <laughs> uh, not good at that, and I certainly wouldn't say it in front of my wife. What I want to talk about is really begins with something that I mentioned a few years ago that I was I was very taken by something that I had heard from a, a friend of mine who was attached to a, a rabbi to a certain tzaddik. And the background of this friend of mine was not he didn't grow up among the Hasidim. He became connected to this tzaddik. And and for, for reasons that my friend didn't understand, the tzaddik took a great liking to him. And, uh, and one time, this wonderful person who I know was driving the tzaddik someplace, and he asked him very openly, Rebbe, can I ask you something? Rebbe said, of course. He says, why do, you, why, do you, uh, why do you love me so much? So he asked him, why do you love me? So the Rebbe said, all of my chassidim, all of my regular chassidim, I mean the gebarina chassidim, ones who were born in families of chassidim, all of my chassidim, when they say shir shirim before Shabbos, when they say shir shirim, the song of songs, they're only thinking about the nimshal, of the meaning, the parable of what it means, which is it's a marshal of the love between Hashem and the, and the Jewish people. But I love you because you, you also love thinking about the marshal itself meaning the love between a husband and wife. That's what the tzaddik said. So, I want to begin with the nimshal, with the shalom bayis between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and Knesset Yisrael. And then we're going to talk, talk about our shalom bayis. But then we're going to talk about, about the marshal of Shir Shir. There's a very famous contradiction in the Rambam. I want to begin with a fascinating question in Halacha regarding what seems to be a contradiction in the writings of the Rambam. With the Rambam in this fourth parak of the Halachas of Tfilah, for Tfilah, the Rambam Paskins, called Tfilah Shainim Kavana, any davening that does not have Kavana, that's without thought, without intention. Ain't a tefillah. 
It's not, it's not considered davening. And if a person davens, he's talking about Shemun If a person davens Shemun without Kavana, he has to daven again. So you can imagine we'd be shul all day long. <laughs> I, we don't do this halacha nowadays. But anyway, the Rambam brings this. Any tefillah that's without kavana, it's not tefillah. And it has to be repeated. And that's and that's in the Shechon Aruch also. Shemaspalot tzarech shikavim b'chal ha-brachas. The Shechon Aruch paskins, that when a person davens, shemnesrei, he has to concentrate, he has to have kavana, Call our brachas. All of the brachas of Shemaneser. So it seems quite clear that this requirement of kavana, of concentration, of intent, that this is something that's required throughout all of Shemaneser. But then strangely, when we move ahead in the Rabban to the 10th parak, the 10th chapter in Hilchus there the Rambam writes, "Vim kiven es libo bebrachirishayna shuv enotzar." That if you have kavana by the first bracha of Shemesrei, by Morgan Avram, by the first piece of Shemesrei, the Rambam says that if you have if you have kavana over there, shuv enotzar, then you don't have to repeat Shemesrei. You're okay. You have to make sure that by the first bracha of Shemesrei, you have to make sure to have kavana, ideally the whole thing. But if you had Kavana by the first Baruch of Shemnesrei, the Rambam Paskins, it's okay. So we need to understand. In the fourth paragraph, the Rambam says that all of Shemnesrei, if you don't have Kavana, it's Enet Fila, it's not called Avni. And you have to repeat Shemnesrei. In the tenth paragraph of Hilchas Tvila, the Rambam says, no, it's only the first Baruch. Only the first Baruch of Shemnesrei. So there's a very famous there's a very famous answer to this question to resolve what appears to be a contradiction in the Rambam. It's found in the in the Chidushim of Reb Chaim Brisker. I'm sure you all heard of Reb Chaim from Brisker. So Reb Chaim Brisker says the following. He says there are two types of kavana. There are two types of kavana, of intent kavana. There are two types. The first is Perish Hamilis. Perish Hamilis means to understand what you're saying. That when you're davening Shemunasre, you're saying words, and you have to understand what you're saying. If you need to have a translation, you read in the translation, but you have to understand what you're saying. That's Perish Hamilis, to know what you're saying. That's the first type of Kavana. The second type of Kavana, Rab Chaim says, the second type of Kavana is to be aware and to remain and to remain in this awareness that you are standing in the presence of a Baruch that you're talking to God that you're talking to Hashem Rechaim explains that regarding this second level of Kavana really the most basic level of Kavana which is I'm standing in Hashem's presence I'm talking to Hashem regarding this the Rambam writes in the fourth parak, Umahi Hakavana, and what is Kavana? Sheyifnes libo mikol hamachshavos. 
that one should that one should remove all other thoughts from one's mind. And you should imagine yourself, you are, but you should try to think of yourself as standing in the presence of the Shechina, as standing in the presence of Hashem, of the Divine Presence. So here Reb Chaim explains that when it comes to when it comes to Perish Amilus, to understanding what you're saying and concentrating on the words, that's when the Rambam says it's enough if you have that by the first bracha. By the first bracha, at the beginning of Shemun you have to understand what you're saying. You have to understand the words. That's what the Rambam is talking about regarding the first bracha. As far as, as, far as the awareness that you're standing in Hashem's presence, Rakhaim explains that that's what the Rambam is telling us, that without that, it's not called davening at all. If you if you're daydreaming and you don't think of yourself as standing before Hashem, it's not called davening. These are the words of Reb Chaim. Kavana zu. This kavana, meaning this second kavana, the kavana that you're standing in Hashem's presence. Kavana zu. Ainimidin kavana. It's not. It's not really an issue of of concentration. What does that mean, me'etzem ha'isa That's what davening is. Davening is standing in Hashem's presence. That's what davening is. It's not, it's not davening, it's not a deluxe davening where you're thinking and concentrating. That's something else. That's the words. But the, but the, but that awareness that you're standing in the presence of Kaddish Baruch Hu, Rabbi Chaim says, me'etzem ha'isa and if you're not thinking that you're standing in Hashem's presence, and and your head is completely somewhere else, and you don't feel that you're in God's presence, it's not a lack of kavan and davening. Reb Chaim says, he's explaining the Ramam, that's not called davening. That's not called davening. It's like you're doing something else. It's not like you're davening. That is the kavana that the Rambam is talking about, which is required for the entire Shemnesri. So let's review. The Rambam is not contradicting himself. The Rambam is telling us that there are two levels of kavana. There's a basic level of kavana that one is required to have throughout the entire Shemun What's that kavana? That you're Omer Lufne Hashem. That you're standing in Hashem's presence. You're talking to God. If you're missing that, the Rambam says, ain't it tefila. It's not davening. You're talking to the wall. It's not, it's not called davening. As far as concentrating on all of the words, that's when the Rambam says, it's enough if you have that by the first part of Shemun that's already a secondary level of kavana, to know what you're saying. Now you're probably wondering why I'm talking about this now. So let me explain. I want to I want to learn with you two words in Lashna Kaidish tonight. That's the whole purpose of this of this shia, of this talk, is to understand two words. The the first word is Nun, Vav, look at the board. 
Nun vav. Just as I'm working. I just wanted to trigger some, some yeah, yeah, trauma. Nun vav chaf ches spells nochach. Nochach. Now, Baruch Hashem, we have a very famous song. So these are the psukim that we know. It's from Eicha, the Pasuk's in Eicha. Shivchi, no? Kamayim libech, nochach p'nei Hashem. Pour your heart out like water. It's in the second paragraph of Eicha. Pour your heart out like water. Nochach p'nei Hashem. Nochach means nun vav chaf ches, in the presence of God. Nochach p'nei Hashem. Pour your heart out like water. Nochach p'nei Hashem. It's not a word that's found often in Tanakh. It's also found in Mishlei. But there it says, Enecha la nochach yabitu. Enecha la nochach yabitu. It's interesting. That found its way into the bracha that parents give the children before Kol Nidre. An Ervim Kippur. Enecha la nochach yabitu. In English means, let your eyes look straight ahead. We're asking Hashem that our children, that their eyes should they shouldn't be distracted in this world. We never knew what a big bracha that was until now. Facing Hashem. Shalom Alech said. And this is the bracha we give our children. That we're begging Hashem that He should help that our children's eyes should always be focused. Should be looking ahead. Should be focused. But the Rambam is telling us in the halachas of Tefillah. Remember, I said we're going to begin talking about the nimshal of Shir Shir, not the marshal, not the love story between a young man and woman, but what it symbolizes. The Rambam is talking about in the halachas of Tefillah. Is he saying the following? That in our davening, that we daven every day. Regular everyday Shemnesra. They're all different types of expressions of gratitude. We praise Hashem in Davening. We ask Hashem for things that we need and so on. But what the Rambam is telling us and the way what Rabbi is explaining is that the Etsam Maisehatvila, the act of Davening itself, the Etsam Maisehatvila is this one word, nochach, presence, Hashem's presence, being in Hashem's presence, being feeling Hashem's presence. It's that encounter that we express in the most profound way every time we say the three most common words in all of our davening, in the Shemones, right? every single bracha, the three words, Baruch Ato Hashem. That we're saying, to, we're not even saying it, you know, it, uh, English is more of a chutzpahic language, but in most languages, like in Yiddish uh, and in other languages, you, when you're talking to somebody that's very, very important, you don't say you. There's a way to say, I don't know, in French or another language, I don't know, in Russian or French, but there's a way to speak to the hush of a person when you don't say you. But when it comes to talking to Hashem, He wants us to talk to Him in that way of Baruch Ata Hashem. That means I, Ani, Ani, that's me, little nobody, me, Ata, Hashem, Baruch Ata Hashem. 
means that the Rambam is telling us that the etzemaisehatvila, the essence of davening, what creates that state that's called davening, is a relationship of ani va'ata. There's one philosopher who was not religious, but he used to call it I and thou. I and thou. Ani, ani v'ata, baruch ata Hashem. Hashem, you exist. Hashem, you are you fill all worlds and you surround all worlds. Like there's a famous uh, the, uh, song that they made from what the Baditchva was once telling his son. It's a song for Dudalah, because Yiddish Du means here, you, Ata, Ata, Hashem, Mizrach, Hashem, Marv, Hashem, your east, your west, your north, your south, Ata, Ata, Du, here, here, Hashem is everywhere. That, that awareness of, of Hashem's presence is contained in that word in Hebrew, Nochach. Shivchi Kamayim Libech, Nochach Pnei Hashem, the presence of Hashem. There was a great Makubal, Yudaleb Ashlag, who was known as the Baal Sulam, because of the safe that he wrote on the Zohar, called the Sulam, the latter. And he writes a sentence that says the following Ha'ain Sof, the infinite one, Hashem, Ha'ain Sof, Nimtza Bimenucha Hamuchlatis. Hashem is never moving anywhere. Hashem doesn't move. Lozaz, Hashem doesn't move. Ain Losiba Lozaz. There is no reason for Hashem to move. Tnuwa mi'ida al-chisarim. Because motion, movement, always means that there's something missing here and I have to go there. Movement, motion means mashu chaser. Something is not here. That's what, that's what movement is. Motion is. But by Hashem there's nothing that's missing. Therefore, lo bal tnuwa. Therefore, there's no union of moving when it comes to Akash Baruch That's when it comes to Hashem. But when it comes to us, especially us in 2023, when it comes to us, the nature of a human being, Hashem created this as well, the nature of a human being is that he's constantly moving. And even if the person is sitting still, Rabbi Nachman once spoke about how it's interesting what causes a person to perspire is motion. It's a physical reaction when, when you're moving. That's what happens when you move, and especially if you're moving quickly, you perspire. But Rabbi Nachman said that it's interesting. When a person is sitting in one place, and all of a sudden his thoughts begin to race, let's say he realizes, I think I, had, I, think I was supposed to pick up the kids a half hour ago, something like that. And all of a sudden what happens? You start schwitzing, right? Why do you start schwitzing? Because your mind is racing, Rabbi Nachman says. Motion, movement, even if it's not physical movement, all motion. Man is in motion, whether physically he's moving or emotionally, we even say in English, that was very moving, or the person is, is, uh, is moving in terms of is is Mashavas, he's thinking and he's jumping from one thought to another. What we're learning now is when the Sulam explains that Hashem doesn't move. And that and that the Maisev Davening means being in Hashem's presence, 
means that in order for a person to truly be able to experience elokus, to experience godliness, to experience a relationship with God, he has to stop. He has to stop. He has to be still. That's why the the high point of davening is Shemun Esrei. And Shemun Esrei is Amida. Okay, people shuckle, that's something else. But standing in Hashem's presence, which is very hard, because as we just said, man by nature, the human being by nature is a no venad. By nature, he, he moves. He's constantly moving. doesn't stay. Doesn't. It's very hard for a person to be in this place of nochechut, of, of presence. I want to explain that this Indian of presence that we're talking about now, which I'm going to get to the marshal of a husband and wife and parents and children and friends in a minute. This this nochechut um, that we're talking about is not the same thing as paying attention or concentrating. Let me give you an example. Lo there's a dear friend of yours, or a dear friend of mine, Lo lost his parent, lost a father, God forbid, lost a mother, God forbid, Khalila, Khalila, a child, Chasr Something terrible happened. And, and it was difficult for you to figure out a way how to get to the Levaya, to get to the funeral. It was difficult. But you couldn't not go. This is a very close friend of yours. And, and you went, you went to the Levi. At the Levi, there, there could be that there are a hundred people, two hundred people, could be more, hundreds of people at the Levi. You weren't able to speak to the, to your friend. He's busy. Maybe you were able to, to give a hug, maybe, if it was you're able to get through, you're able to give a hug. But everybody here knows that in that situation, what really counts and what and the reason that you're there is that your eyes should meet. And we've all been in that situation. You're just waiting, you're looking for those eyes to see your eyes. And when and when you have that meeting where your eyes and and your friend's eyes meet then that's called Enecha Lanochach Yabitu. And in that Metziah, that reality of Enecha Lanochach Yabitu. You don't know how, you don't understand why, and it can't be explained in words. But even years later, your friend will say to you at some point, I can't tell you how much it meant to me that you made it to the Leviathan. You didn't say any chizik. You didn't pass along any note. Now that for sure would not be the same. Imagine if your friend, you you went to the Levaya, and I'm watching this, by the way, I'm seeing this happen, unfortunately, more and more, and you're sitting by the Levaya, and you right? If the friend is saying a hesped for his father, is eulogizing his father, God forbid. He's saying something for his father, and and your friend happens to look at you at that moment, and you're and you're on the phone. It could be at some kind of emergency, but honestly, lately I've been at funerals and I'm seeing this is happening. People are on their phones. They're looking underneath. They put it down like this, and they're looking. 
and your friend's eyes are looking out over the island. He's feeling the lowest and darkest he's ever felt in his life. And he's looking for his old friend's eyes. And at that moment, he doesn't find them. Or he looks at you and your eyes are, are you, and you're moving. Your eyes are not meeting his eyes, her eyes. They're not meeting. That means that you're not present. All that that person was waiting for, and you don't even realize that it gives that person such unbelievable chizik, because you might think of yourself as being, okay, so if I don't, if I do, I don't. Same thing if, God forbid, you have somebody that you love is in the hospital, and you go to the hospital to be Mavaka and you go there and you sit by the bed, and you don't say anything. You don't say anything. And the person, the person can barely open his or her eyes and just looks, and you have your hand on, on her hand, and the person looks up at you and just sees you and closes her eyes again. And with Hashem's help, she has a full recovery. Your friend has a full recovery, or whoever it is, your relative has a full recovery. And then we'll tell you at some point along the way, we'll take your hand now in good health and say to you, you know, that night when you came, that Tuesday night, I was, I was, I thought I was going to be leaving the world, and I looked and I saw you there. And you gave me my neshama back. And you'll say something silly like, I didn't come up with anything witty. I didn't say anything even religious. Not only that, I wasn't even holding a tiller when you saw me. I wasn't doing anything. So of course the, the, the terrorist is that when the person says, you, you have no idea what you did for me, you know, you gave me my neshama back, what the person is saying is that I didn't, I wasn't asking for the, for that level of kavana that the Rambam was talking about, parish amilas. I wasn't asking for the hal shumnesvay with all the meanings of the words, with all the different, with all the different parts of davening. I wasn't asking for words. I didn't need, I didn't need your words. I didn't need all the deep kavanas, all kinds of Kabbalistic intentions, all kinds of fancy perushim on the siddur. I didn't need that. The one thing I needed more than anything in the world at that moment is exactly what you gave me, which is what? Nochach. You understand? Nochichut. Nochichus. Nochichus means presence. You gave me yourself. Hillel Azakin once said, Imani Khan? You know how to finish that? Hakol Khan. If I am here, then everything is here. So all, all the Mephashim are talking about this. How could Hillel say such a thing? He said it by Simchas Beis Shreve, how could he say such a thing? He was the most humble Jew in the world, Hillel Azake. He was known for his humility. So when he said, If I am here, everything is here. What did he mean by that? Some of the most memorable moments of my life was when I had the schus to be in the presence of a tzaddik. When I was by the Lubavitch Rebbe, it was for a second. You couldn't stay longer than that because they pushed you right out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was by the Satan Rebbe Susilayim. I was by the Baba Sali. I saw the Ribbon I saw the Skalana Rebbe Susilayim. Thank God we had the Skalana Rebbe with us and other Tzaddikim with us. I was like, 
this to be by Rabbi Yerad Yosef, a different tzaddikim that was Eichet Ebibah. Why is it that that, 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 why is it that those moments, it could be a mamish a minute, that you're in the presence of the tzaddik, that it's something that could change your life, and you could remember and think about your entire life. It's a point of reference. It's not only me, because I, I've, I've spoken to many people that, that have shared the same with me, that when their eyes met, the eyes of the Lubavitcher Rabbi, it's something that all through their lives, when they're going through challenges and difficulties, they come back to those eyes. Why is that? What's the power of the tzaddik? The tzaddik has many things. But what's the power of the tzaddik? The power of the tzaddik is exactly what Hillel was saying. Emani kan, hakol kan. Because emani kan, hakol kan means, I'm, I'm not necessarily here to give you any advice when I stood before the Lubavitcher Rebbe for that minute, or before the Satan Rebbe for those two, three minutes to get a bracha before we were married, I didn't ask him, like I'm often asked, you have any, you know, by a chasna kala, uh, you have any tips for, for marriage? Uh, with mechutanim, it's very simple, you just say, don't say anything. <laughs> but when it comes to chasna kala, what are you going to tell you? I'll be nice to each other, you know. They're waiting for some words of wisdom from the sage. I'm no sage, and I have no words of wisdom. It's on-the-job training. That's how we all do it. <laughs> try. Just try to be nice. Do the best you can. So, so I was by the Satan Rebbe. I was by the Satan Rebbe um, just a few weeks before. It was a, it was a few weeks before he was Nifter. So he was Nifter Chav Havav. We were married in Elul. I was, I, was, uh, I was by the Satan Rebbe, I don't know, 42 years, something like that. Like that, uh, by, the Sat- huh? Close enough. <laughs> by the by the Satan Rebbe, a few weeks before we were married, and the Rebbe couldn't even talk at that point. It was just before he died. He couldn't talk. His face was like a child, like an angel, and he just. I've shared this with some of the Hassan Mikalas, and he just reached his finger to me, and the Gabi told me to take his finger, and he held my finger like this, and he was shaking it and squeezing my finger, and he was looking me in the eyes. And that meant that, it should, that our marriage should be a, a kesha shal that we should be bound together for our lives. It's the most unforgettable moment of my life. The look in his eyes I had a little twinkle, a little smile, and like encouragement, like this, and he was holding it, my finger. Because the tzaddik's Indian is that when you're with the tzaddik, there's nothing else in the world. It's Baruch Ata. Aniv Ata. Imanikan Hakol Khan. If I am here, Imanikan Hakol Khan. There's no movement. There's no motion. It's the closest you can get to being with Hashem. Hashem doesn't go anywhere. Hashem never leaves us. He doesn't move. It's not like us. It's not like you you know you're talking to somebody you say, hold on for a second, I'll be right with you. Or you put the person on the button and they're waiting for you. There's no such thing, Akash Baruch. He's always there. We're the ones that are moving. We're the ones that are not paying attention. We're the ones that can't stop our lives for a minute and our relationships with Hashem and our relationship with Hashem and our relationships with our with our loved ones that we can't stop. So that brings us to the second word. And it's a twin of the first word. So the first word we learned tonight is 
learn. You all know the word. Just the first word we spoke about tonight was nochach. Nochach pnei Hashem. Without that, it's not called davening. It's not a relationship. You're not there. You're not present. You're saying the words. I, I once mentioned years ago there was a, a fellow that I knew. He was very strict in halacha with the shofar. He went the whole Rosh Hashanah. He was running around Yerushalayim to hear different blowings of the shofar because he was worried that maybe the Yemenites are right, maybe the Polish Jews are right, maybe the Lubavitchers are right, maybe the Hungarians are right, maybe the Litvish are right. And, and he's going around to different shuls. He wants to make sure he heard all the different ways of davening. So he was telling us to me, like as a way of saying, I heard, I was like, hear. So I said, did you have a second to stop and think about about God today? I mean, you're so busy running from one shul to the next. It's Rosh Hashan, HaMelech. Did you think for a minute about HaMelech? You're on the move. But did you stop? So the second word, is much more familiar to us, and we just laid it in the parasha, this Shabbos. The second word is Hineni. I am here. Which is really the, the real title of this of this year that I'd like to give it. Hineni, I am here. And we just laid it. Hashem called to Moshe Rabbeinu from within the snap, the bush. Hashem said Moshe's name twice, which is Lashon Chiva. Great affection, Moshe, Moshe. The Yomer and Moshe Ben's response was, Hineni. Hineni is Anika. I am here. Hineni is I am here. Now that response of the of Moshe Rabbein, of the Tzaddik, Hineni, I am here. We understand that that has nothing to do with location. The Barshom doesn't need doesn't need uh, ways. He doesn't need uh, a map. The Barshom knows the same way when he asked Adam Rishon, Ayaka, where are you? He wasn't asking him, could you tell me what street corner are you on? Are you on Maple and Vine? Where are you? He wasn't asking him for location. Where are you? So when Hashem says to Moshe Ben and Moshe Ben says, Hineni, it's not for location. It's Hashem saying, Moshe, are you with me? Are you here? Not are you here and there. Are you completely here? Are you completely here? And Moshe ben says, Vayomer, Chineni. The same thing with Yishayahu Navi. Yishayahu Navi, he says to Hashem, Hineni Shalcheni. I am here. Shalcheni means what? Send me. Send me meaning, he's saying to Hashem, Ani Shalcha. I am yours. I am yours. Shalcheni. He didn't, he didn't say, Yishai Novi didn't, uh, didn't answer Hashem by saying, I have Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but I'm busy on Sunday. He didn't say, could you hold on a little bit? I have a couple of emails to look at. He didn't say, I'm tired right now. Yeshayahu Navi's response to Hashem was, Hineni, <coughs> I am here, Shalcheni. Shalcheni. I am yours. I am yours. So this, Chavre, 
is what I believe to be the greatest problem of our generation. At our time, at this time that we're living in right now, the greatest problem, the greatest challenge of the time that we're living in right now. We're working very hard on the first level of kavana, meaning, you know, saying Tehillim and thinking and saying Shemun and all the words and millions of text messages and all kinds of from uh, apps and chats and all kinds of... We're working, we're working very, very hard even in terms of our relationships, marriages, and parenting, and so on, there are millions of books that are, that are written, all kinds of things to, on parenting and on marriage, and so on. And there are millions of books that are written about davening. In this room here, there are, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of things written about davening in this room. This one, thousands and thousands of things. But all of the words in the world can never, ever substitute what the Rambam is telling us is the definition of a relationship itself. And that, the Rambam says, is for the entire Shemun And that's nochach and hineni. That's what defines a relationship. I am here. I am present. In the conversations that I've had over these years with, with, with women in particular who are very sabrochen or broken, over their marriages. I'm not talking about, God forbid, where there's abuse or mistreatment, that's something else. That's a different conversation. I'm talking about a certain kind of quiet unhappiness or a lack of feeling of connecting and fulfillment and so on. If you ask, if you ask a typical woman, guys, it's different. If you ask a typical woman, what is it that you hope for most? in this marriage. Now if it's a silly little girl, some seventeen year old that's getting married and she says, Oh, I hope to I hope I hope to make a, you know, have a lot of money and we'll be able to, you know, go to a Pesach program every year. <laughs> Something like that. But, but I'm not talking about asking some little little dope. I'm talking about if you ask a mature, intelligent woman who's going under the chuppah, what is it that you want from all of this? Not what Samiza. Demet. We're not talking about money, about a house, and all that stuff. No. What she would say is, what I'm looking for most, the Amos is, that my husband, like in the old song, should only have eyes for me. That we should look at each other's eyes the way that we are tonight, that so we shall be, till 120. That we remain focused. That, that this is a person who I can rely upon that when I need him, he's there, she's there. Hineni, shalcheni, I'm here, I'm here. That feeling of nochechut, of presence, of presence. It's the same thing with parents and children. There are silly parents who think that the way to win their children's hearts or their souls is by saying more words and doing more things. It's a lot of that. That's not really it. You'd give and do, that's all nice stuff. That's all very, very nice. But if it were possible for a child to express himself or herself, if a little kid could, could articulate what he wants more than anything, or what she wants more than anything in life, it's the same thing. No chachut. 
I want my parents' presence. I want when I'm sitting and my father's with me, I want that he's looking at me in the eyes and I feel that he's present no less than, God forbid, at a levaya and the two friends are looking at each other. Or a in the hospital that the person who's on the bed looks at you and knows that you're there. Not just that you're there. Anikan hakolkan. I'm here. Shalcheni. I'm here for you. Nothing else in the world is important. Only you. Nothing else is important. Hineni. I am here. So all the books are filled with all kinds of things to say to the kids and the right words and the right things to do. And, and some of it is good, some of it is not, but there are many, many diburim. And and you can get into, you know, you can, you can look back on the years that you're raising kids and it feels like, you know, like you're, not, like you're in some sort of a ping-pong game back and forth, you know. This one, he says like this, you said like that, and I'm arguing for this, you're fighting for that. And it's back and forth, all these different stories. And you can go and the kids grow up and the years go by and, and and there are millions of words that were spoken. And there were tons of places that you went to. It's going to be now a yeshiva break, midwinter vacation. And everybody's going to find happiness and go someplace. And Somebody was just telling me that, that he, uh, he he heard, he read in the book some of the business, like some famous tour guide. I don't know the guy's name. So famous tour guide that, that like the richest people in the world come on these tours. This, I don't know, some Veltz tour guide, some big tour guide. And this tour guide says to the people when, when they come, the, when they first meet, like all these rich people that come for the tour, he says, I just want to tell you something. If you're unhappy coming into this tour, I guarantee you you're going to be unhappy when it's done as well. <laughs> the only thing I can promise you is that I'll show you interesting things. But if you think that you're going on vacation to become happy, you could forget it. You know how many billions of dollars people spend on that dream, on that delusion? Kilo, if, if the two of us go from point A and we spend thousands of dollars and we go to point B, that over here we were not happy, that over there, 10,000 miles, $10,000 later, there we are happy, that tour guide was saying, you're an idiot. <laughs> if you're unhappy coming to the tour, you're not going to be happy when it's done. You can be the same person when you go back home. And yet we all think that's, that's it. Or there's this magical tour, we're going to take the kids to, to Orlando by the break, and that will be the answer to all of our problems. Mickey and Minnie. <laughs> that will be the that will be the solution to our problem. It will be fun, and the kids will have great memory, and it's a night and it's wonderful to spend time with them. It's not it. It's not it, and the kids can't articulate this. And this is the problem they're having. You can look back on raising the children, and there were millions and millions of words that were spoken, and. Thousands of hours doing and coming and going. And the only thing that was missing was, I am here. Hineni. Enecha lanochach yabitu. What was missing was this feeling of, of nochachut, of ani and ata. You know, nochach, one of my Talmudim just mentioned this to me the other day, 
we were talking about something, and the word came up, Neichach, and he said that he saw someone with a Neichach, is the words, Nishmas Kol Chai. Nun Hav Ches, Nishmas Kol Chai. The Nishmas Kol Chai, how do you put that into words? When at the Levaya, they look at each other, Nishmas Kol Chai. Under the Chuppah Chasen Kala, Nishmas Kol Chai. Nishmas Kol Chai, it's, 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 it's something that in our generation, more than ever before, it's becoming so, so hard to have. The marriages are missing this, the kids are missing this, the parents, it's missing. In the classroom, it's missing. And and then going, going back to the nimshal of Shirashim. So we just spent a few minutes talking about the husband and wife, that's the motion. I go back to the nimshal, which is Hashem and Klai Yisrael. All of, all of the davening of how all the slichas, Elul, and Rosh Hashanah, and, and Yom Kippur, everything is to be able to come to a place where a person can say, Avina Malkeinu, Ein Lanu Melech, Ela, Atta. Ein Lanu Melech, Ela, Atta. Which I, I once mentioned, just put down the Chabad's form, that because they, there's a nigan, it's the Alter Rebbe's yard site. So one of the nigunim of the Alter Rebbe, I'm sure you know, so the tzaddikim in Chabad say that in this beautiful nigan, the tzaddikim in Chabad say that it's a funny way to sing the song. And then you stop. So if you just stop there, it's a very scary couple of words because you're saying, I don't have a king. My father, my king, ain't lot of melech. So imagine if everybody just left that. Ain't lot of melech. So the whole thing's a joke. There is no God. There is no king. But they say in Chabad that, that there's this pause in the Rebbe's Negin. The person's entire nishmas kol chai, his soul's filled with longing and emotion. And he can't even catch his breath. And then he says, Ela ata. There's only you, nothing else, only you. Ain't lono melech ela'ata. Ela'ata. You're not a king. Of course you're the king of all kings and all that fancy stuff. And we, and we, we know that you run the world and you got the big books open, we're scared of all that stuff. But um, what I want more than anything is that instead of just being a king, we should be you. Ata. Aniva ata. Me and you. I should feel that feeling of that feeling of 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 hineni, that feeling that when we're that when we're together there's there's an anikan. And it's an amazing thing because when a person does that with another person, you get it back. That's the amazing thing about it. That's a whole other year that's not for now. Because when you when you give that person that feeling of anikan. It's able to it's able to melt away all kinds of mistakes of the past, things that shouldn't have been said, things that shouldn't have been done. If 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 there's that anikana, there's that hineni, here I am. If there's a feeling of of here I am of ata, then it evokes a response of ata. It evokes a a, a, a reciprocating. Anikan. 
you're here for me, I'm here for you. And the emphasis, the emphasis that in, in, in Panemius, that's really the secret of, of Shalom Bayez. I guess in that way we can say that the title reflects something about the 001 of Shalom Bayez. But it's not just Shalom Bayez between a husband and wife. It's Shalom Bayez between parents and kids, between friends. It's Shalom Bayez between the Jew and HaKadosh Baruch it's the zero zero one. It's the beginning. It's that underlying kavana which has to stay with a person throughout all of one's marriage, all of the years with the children. That pervading feeling of hineni, I am, I am here. This is something that I, I you know, I felt so strongly with my father Zechariah that uh, he I've mentioned this very often. That he, my father, my father really didn't talk much, didn't say much, but. When you was when 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 we sat with my father, there was nothing else in the world. I I, I think I might have mentioned not by the Levaya, but I mentioned by the Shiva, that one of the things I remember so so strongly is that I was once very upset about something. Something happened in, in school with a teacher with the final, and and, and I was all upset, and because um, the it was unfair of the final. You know all these things that happened with the finals. So I so I called my I called up my father. My father was at work. He was in the store. It was a dry cleaning store in Manhattan. That was his store. I called up the store, and I said, "And I said, Daddy, I, I, you know, I just remember I was studying last night, and I, my father no, no, what happened?" So I said, "I'm all upset." So my father said, "Hold on, son. Wait, 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 hold on for a second. And I didn't know what was going on. My father came back. He said, "Okay, tell me what's going on." And we spoke for around 15, 20 minutes. I only found out later on from my mother that the store was filled with people. My father told everybody to leave the store. And he closed the door and he locked the door. That was it. He wouldn't have even told that to me. And my mother said, my mother was not happy about that. I mean, she told me to say, what's the matter with you? What are you calling in the middle of the day like that? You couldn't wait till... My mother was telling me straight, like, what's going on? And I said, I didn't mean to keep... I thought there was no... My mother said, what do you mean? It's the middle of the day. And, and, and my father never told me that. He just sent everybody out. Because... It was always a manik khan, hakal khan. There was nothing else in the world. And, there, and we had much fewer hours with my father than, than people have with their parents these days. That's just how it was then, because of the hours that he kept with work. It was very little time. But it was a, it was a time always of hineni. I am here. Nothing else. I am here. So I once read to you a few sentences from one of my favorite stories. And I'll share them with you again for two minutes. There was this, I've mentioned him in the past, there was this wonderful, wonderful person, Jay Litvin. Are any of you familiar with any of his essays? Jay Litvin? So originally they were, they were, cut, they were coming out, this goes back over 30 years ago, they were coming out uh, on the computer uh, um, from Chabad.org because he was a Lubavitcher Baal and um, that's how they came out. And uh, and then someone told me that they actually have an entire book of, of essays of his. We only had maybe six or seven that we were able to get, and they were all fantastic. And there's actually a whole book. He unfortunately died a very young man. He had young children. He, he was uh, working there with the, uh, with the, with the survivors of, after the, the nuclear reactor in Chernobyl exploded. 
he was he was there, and in the end, he got sick from that, and he died. And um, and he, he has essays. It's, it's called "The Life I Have," Shay Lipfin. So there's this one. I, I read this to you maybe five years ago. So I'll just read you a few sentences. It's called "My Favorite Kind of Night." So he's talking about. He's talking about. This is not long before he died. He's talking about his nine-year-old son, Dovi, who loved tinkering with things. He was always fixing things in cars and stuff, and he liked all that stuff. And he describes. Uh, it would be nice to read the whole thing. There's no time. Chemistry experiments and with little cars and with electric things, and he was always busy with this. And um, and Jay is describing. Um, um, he's describing in detail what kind of a boy Dovi is, active, independent, curious, funny nine-year-old boy, who most evenings has to be called home from whatever adventure he's up to outside or at a friend's house. That's why I was so surprised the other night overhearing a conversation between him and my wife. So Jay heard um, the little, his little son Dovi talking to, talking to his mother. Talking to his, Dovi, Dovi says this, Are you going out tonight, Mommy? So he puts some these my wife sometimes to his students. No, sweetie. Are you going to be home, he asked? Yes, she said. Good, he said. Pause. Do you have anything to do tonight, Mommy? No, she said. Good, he said. Why, she asked. Nothing, he said. I was just hoping you'd be home. Pause. Do you want me to do something with you tonight, she asked. No, he said. Then why did you ask? She said. I was just hoping you'd be home. And, she asked, and sit on the couch and crochet. You know, you know what that is? <laughs> sit on the couch and crochet. There's an app now for crochet. <laughs> and sit on the couch and crochet, he said. That's it, she asked. Yep, he said. That's all you want me to do, she asked. Yep, he said. Just sit on the couch and crochet, she asked. Yep, he said. That's my favorite kind of night. And she did. Crochet, that is. Propped up on our couch, feet crossed and dangling in her favorite faded softest house coat. Our son, as happy as could be, buttering with his tools and wires, barely speaking to either of us until it was time for mom and dad to put him into bed. She spent the evening just like Dobie wanted. So then he says, later I was reflecting on what had occurred. And he was talking with his wife. Let's skip here. To Dobie, it seems there is some magic, some essential element in the simple presence of his parents. Something sensed, something urgent and elemental that allows his independence and curiosity to flourish. Perhaps it's our availability, the knowledge that we are here, that we are there if he needs us. Apparently he likes it when we're only a yelp away. Who knows when a strange noise, dark shadow, a scary thought might frighten him. Despite his bravado, perhaps he's worried that he might burn himself with his little smoldering iron. And so on. Then he goes on and says, Who knows why Dovi doesn't open up on schedule, doesn't choose his time for intimacy with more consideration from Maya, my wife's work, or social schedules. We can't always give it. But here's what I believe Dovi was asking for when he described to his mom his favorite evening. Here's read till the end of a minute. He wants her to be sitting on the couch crocheting, present and active, but not so engaged in her activities that she doesn't have time for him, not so engrossed in what she's doing that she'd be bored if he came to sit and cuddle next to her when he became tired or lonely or just felt the need for her affection. He wants the freedom and opportunity to interrupt his parents with a question or to ask, what we, or to ask that we look at his latest creation or accomplishment. He wants us present, nochach, cozy and comfortable, available and interested, not so interested that we're interfering or oppressive, nor so disinterested that we have no time for his curiosity and discovery, no matter how nonsensical or irrelevant we may find it. 
He wants us to be there, napping or reading, or puttering with flowers, or paying the bills, or talking on the phone, or cutting the grass, or studying, or doing just about anything as long as we are seen and heard and can be counted on just in case. He wants that magic, indescribable something that occurs between parent and child when they share the same time and space. He believes, and I agree, that in the security of our loving presence, he can conquer mountains, defeat armies, rule nations, author novels, write poems, manage large companies, compose concerts, design buildings, or solder two wires together on a Tuesday night so that a little bulb lights up and affirms the conquest of his genius and perseverance. Just sit on the couch and crochet, Mommy, he says. It's my favorite kind of evening. And if you do, I'll traverse the heavens. Discover the source of rainbows. Search for angels in the dark. I learned to sing from the hollows of my heart until I fall asleep with my head in your lap. It's sad because he didn't live to, to raise his child. I think it was just a year or two later he passed away. But that's really what that's really what Shaivim is all about. Shaivim is Hashem is saying Shuvabanam Shaivim. Hashem is saying I just want to have a quiet kind of night. It's my favorite kind of night. I just want to have a quiet Shumanesway. I just have a quiet time with you. It's what the, it's what our husbands, our wives, our children, our parents, it's what the whole world is crying for, desperately in need of. And that's what before Mashiach comes as the greatest, greatest test to be able to say, I am here. Hineini. Not just, God forbid, at a Levaya. Not just, God forbid, at a Bikachol. But that our children and that each other. It's the same thing with the Chavre, the and Shul. To be here. To be here. No. And the source of that is the source of our trying. So we were able to say to Hashem, we're asking you to be with us and to appear to us in that place. That if Hillel Hazakin said, Anikan, Akalkan, then what we're waiting to hear is Hashem say, Anikan, I am here. And that we could point and say, Zahasham Kivinulo. Ah, we always knew you were here. We just couldn't see with our eyes. Kivinulo, Nagilov, Nismachab, Yishuas.